With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Well, Red Nation, did you miss us? Did you think that we'd go anywhere? It is good to be back after the... Rockets lost in the in the conference semifinals to be back at Harden. My take for season two, season two, Michael Brown. Oh, it's always a beautiful day when I get to do a podcast with one of the best in the business, Mr. Jeremy Brenner. Mm-hmm. Um, season two of Harden, my take is off to a roaring start. If you want my honest opinion, and I cannot wait to get this show going. Yeah, it's. It's been a long week not being able to podcast with you. I mean, not that we were unable to, but it's, we, needed, we needed a breather. We needed a breather. We needed time to reflect, come back with a new energy, and now we can give it to Red Nation. Unlike former coach of the Rockets, Mike D'Antoni, you and I know how to run a rotation when we know that certain uh, individuals, a part of this rotation, need a breather. And uh, we gave uh, the appropriate individuals that breather, and now we're refreshed and ready to go. Good segue. Good segue. So, obviously, the season ended on September 12th, Saturday, September 12th. And on Sunday, September 13th, Mike D'Antoni announced that he would not return as the head coach for the Rockets. Four seasons is all that Mike D'Antoni sees as the Rockets head coach. He leaves the Rockets as the winningest coach in terms of winning percentage in Rockets history. His final record with the team is a grand total. Well, let's see. He won 130. He went, I I had it pulled up. I don't know why. Um, But he had one of, wow, (laughs) season two off to a great start. But he went 217-101, a 682 win percentage in four seasons, uh, led the Rockets to the playoffs in each of those four years, led them to at least the second round in all four of those years. However, just once did he get past that only one conference finals visit. And honestly, I think you and I can both agree that Mike D'Antoni took this team as far as he possibly could. Yeah. Uh, I think I think he definitively hit his ceiling with the Rockets, uh, whether it be on his own accord or the, the roster that he was given. I'm going to take the former. I'm going to take that it was his own doing, that, you know, this ceiling that was created for the Rockets was created by Mike D'Antoni himself and not the team that he was given. Um, so... Look, I, I'll be honest. I, I didn't think season two would be off to a start of looking for a new head coach, but I'm glad that it is because. Yeah, and and Daryl Morey uh, stated that he was also surprised by the news. I mean, it shouldn't have come as a huge surprise because his contract was up and he was obviously not wanting an extension. So this couldn't come up as a huge shock that he doesn't want to return for a fifth season. But I think that if D'Antoni wanted to come back, he would have. I think that the organization felt 
that he was worthy enough to co- to get a new contract, whether that be season or for multiple seasons. I do think that the Rockets were interested in re-signing him. But I think as you and I talked about uh, in our last uh, couple of podcasts, how poorly he coached that final series. And it, it made it very hard to defend Mike D'Antoni to come back. Well, let me ask you. Let me let me ask you this, and ask our our listeners this: if the if the 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 reports are true that he stepped down on the plane ride home, that, that's incredibly weak to me, JB. I mean, to me, like a guy who steps down on the plane ride home, which makes all the sense in the world to me that he does that. Because the series that he coached against the Lakers, he couldn't coach his way out of a paper bag. So that makes sense that he lost the series and then he steps down on the plane ride home, which has been duly noted in the athletic article by Kelly Kelly Eco that he stepped down on the plane ride home. Look, you're going to do that, Mike D'Antoni? There's the door, dude. Like what? You're upset that 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 uh, Tillman Fertitta didn't call you as soon as the series was over. Get over yourself. You're upset that you didn't get a contract extension after last year, after not making the conference finals. Get over yourself. You've never made a an NBA finals. You're a good coach, not a great coach. Like what? You you want your ego to get the best of you in this type of situation? You want to step down? On the plane ride home, good, good riddance. There's the door, dude. See you. Yeah. That's all I, you know, I think it was pretty clear that he knew that it was the end for a while. Maybe all season long, he knew it was going to be the end. He knew it was the last dance with the Rockets. And so once I think the situation with Daniel House happened, I think he was like, that's it for me. Like, it's over. I really, like... And I think that deflated him uh, immensely. I just don't... I think he was just... He had one foot out the door for a few of those games. I think after game four, especially, um, when he was just like, you know what? There's no real shot here. And and that is that is disappointing because he did have a very successful tenure as the Rockets head coach. And he should be... Um, he, he should be respected for that. He had... He brought the team to heights that, you know, that Kevin McHale couldn't get to. I think he had a, he did a great job for what he did. And on top of that, he made James Harden, he put him on a new level as well. And I think that is also something that we easily forget because of the recency of the recency bias almost that, oh, D'Antoni coached a terrible series, which he did. Both of these things, though, can be true. He can be a good coach and just coached a bad series. That those things in this case are both true. So for me, it, it's bittersweet because as much as D'Antoni did the right things for this team for a long time, I do think that in the end it was to their detriment. Well, his comments were you know, reported through the athletic, he felt disrespected by the by the Rockets. How did the Rockets disrespect Mike D'Antoni? I think he felt that, I think he felt, and, and look, this is a total, um, this is a total difference of opinion, I think. With, with between, I think you and I are on the same page, but Mike D'Antoni is not on the same page that we're on. So I think D'Antoni felt that after his third year, he had done enough to warrant an extension. No, Which, didn't. you know, he won, he won, you know, four playoff series in three years. But as we talked about after the final season, uh, after his third season, 2019, he regressed. He went from the conference finals to one round prior, one round before the second round. So is that really worthy of an extension? I think you and I can both agree, I think I can speak for both of us, that we didn't feel that he deserved an extension after 2019. And he didn't get one because he regressed. And I think that did leave a sour taste in his mouth. However, he, he didn't deserve an extension. I think he deserved an extension after 18, maybe. But he it was just 
it didn't make a whole lot of sense to give a coach an extension despite having two years left on his deal. Now, if he had one year left on his deal and it was 2018, then I think he's worthy of an extension because he brings the team to one game away from the NBA finals, which didn't necessarily, which wasn't necessarily his fault that they didn't get to the comp. They didn't get to the finals. So for me, I think that D'Antoni did what he had to do. I, I understand where he's coming from, but I don't agree. And I think you, you agree with what I say. I don't agree with, I don't agree with him at all, man. I mean, it's, to me, it's, it speaks an incredible amount towards the man's character. You step down on the plane ride home, you don't even get back and you don't, he was upset that he didn't hear from Fertitta on his own timeline. Dude, Mike, Mike D'Antoni, in case you're listening to this show, the owner of your team doesn't abide by your timeline. What, he didn't call you in the time frame that you wanted? Well, so what, man? Like, deal with it. You work for his organization. Get home, decompress, and talk to the owner of your team. But the fact that he wanted that he stepped down so quickly makes me think, as Rockets fans, you and I were not far off on the fact that he didn't want to coach this this series, it doesn't feel like. He he wanted out. This wasn't a team he wanted to be a part of anymore. And to me, that's fine. You know what? You don't want to, then good riddance. See ya. Maybe, maybe the next show. Knocked out in the first round next year. Congrats. Way to go, D'Antoni. Maybe it goes to show how much the bubble really affected this team. And the bubble kind of, they kind of caved into the pressure a little bit. Not just Daniel House, but Mike D'Antoni as well. And I think that, I think there were a bunch of things that factored into what actually happened. And we won't really know all of the details ever. We might never know. Um, It's only... The the people that know though are the the linchpins in the organization, the Mike D'Antonis, the the Daryl Morris, and whether they want to come over forward with that information and their reasoning for it is up to them. They have nothing to prove. They have nothing to you know explain. They, like they don't need to explain themselves to me. I feel like it's it's their like D'Antoni's contract is at the end of the fourth year. After that. It's totally up to Mike D'Antoni what he does. And and he said, you know what? Thanks, guys, but no thanks. It, it, it sucks because you don't you don't ever want to feel like you weren't wanted. And I, and I think that D'Antoni kind of felt that way. And he's kind of like, well, I'm going to give it right back to them kind of thing. Because that's, that's probably how he felt after year three when he asked for the extension and he didn't get it. And in year four, when the shoe was on the other foot, D'Antoni gave him a taste of their own medicine. But let me ask you a question. So after year three, he wanted his extension. As a fan, I ask you, Jeremy Brenner, after last year, would you have given him an extension? After year three? After last year exiting in the second round, like they did against the Warriors, would you have given no, Mike D'Antoni an extension? extension after 2019. You're saying he didn't. I don't think he did, but I can see why he did. Why? You go out in the second round, you feel like you did a good job through the course of three years. No, he didn't. How was he? He did an, look, to me, he did an adequate job. When you have two superstars on your team, you did an adequate job. You didn't reach an NBA finals. How did he do a good job? That's how I feel as a fan realistically looking at the situation saying you have James Harden, you have Chris Paul for three of those years. You didn't make an, you didn't make an NBA finals. You did an adequate job. That's how I would deem it out of 10. I give it a seven before this year. I give it a seven out of 10. If we want to do this. So if we look at your one, Year one is first year. The Rockets overperformed. Like, they, they did way better than expected. They went from the eighth seed to the third seed. Harden was, you know, would have been the MVP had it not been for Russell Westbrook's triple-double average. And people were looking at Mike D'Antoni like, wow, you're a genius. 
and then they they lost in the second round. But that second round exit wasn't as tough to swallow because they hadn't even won a playoff series the year before. Then in year two, you improve again. Obviously, 2018 is his best year. They win 65 games. They go one win away from the conference finals. And in that series, I felt like that the reason why the Rockets lost was not because of Mike D'Antoni. Look, and I'm not saying Mike D'Antoni helped the situation or anything like that, but you cannot say that the 2018 Rockets lost the conference finals because Mike D'Antoni coached poorly. And then in 2019, this is when things change a little bit. You look at 2019, they, they take a step back, but they faced a really good Warriors team. And they, like, Mike D'Antoni was just doing what he was asked, I feel. And, and but in my opinion, like, that's, I think, where I'm coming from Mike D'Antoni's perspective. Coming from my perspective as a fan, I think that he mismanaged that 2019 team because he was unable to get Chris Paul and James Harden on the same page. And that ultimately is what led to the Chris Paul trade. And it is what led to the, you know, and I've been thinking about this for a week now. If Chris Paul was with the Rockets this year, how would this season have gone? Would the Rockets still be playing right now in the conference finals if Chris Paul was still on the team, if they were able to figure it out, if D'Antoni was able to manage those two personalities? I feel like he did all that he, like, I feel like, he could have done a little bit more if it was so successful in 2018. Why wasn't it successful one year later? And I think that is where the beginning of the end was for D'Antoni. Once he realized Chris Paul was going to get traded, once he realized his assistants weren't going to return. Like to me, I feel like that was the beginning of the end for D'Antoni is when he realized he had lost control of the team. He tried to get it back by, angling the team towards Russell Westbrook. And I think that is what saved his job in a way. Because, look, if the Rockets weren't weren't willing to give him an extension in 2019, but they were willing to potentially do that in 2020, the Rockets, Tillman Fertitta, Daryl Morey, the, the organization, must have thought he did a good job this year. And I think he I think he did. I liked what he did with the team in the regular season. I liked what they did with... The rotation, I liked what they did up until about game four of the Thunder series. Up until then, I thought D'Antoni was doing a great job. But the last nine games he coached, from game four to the end of the Thunder series, and then game one through five of the Lakers series, I just thought that was not what we needed to see from him. And the Rockets weren't going to care. The Rockets were going to bring him back if he wa- if they wanted him to. But... And honest, honestly, I think D'Antoni is doing the Rockets a favor here. I think that the team needs a new set of eyes, a new sense of direction. And I'm excited to see what it is because I think what we've seen in the last three, three or so times where the Rockets have had a new head coach, there's a new energy about the team that, is, that makes the team a lot more exciting. I think when Rick, when Rick Adelman came, there was a new sense of, Offensive energy. That's the year the streak happened. And <clears throat> the year Kevin McHale came in, and that team was um, not necessarily a contender by any means, but they were getting there. And that team, that first year of Kevin McHale was a very exciting year. The Rockets overperformed. Again, same year, first year with D'Antoni, a great year. They overperformed. And I think what new coaches have is such an advantage because – they have the power to kind of put a new spin on their team and to give them a new look that none of these other teams are expecting. And when we discuss some of these names here of people that we'd like to see potentially be in that role next season, I think that what we'll see is the team take a new direction and let's see if this one person can milk out all of the potential that D'Antoni was not able to do. He, he didn't do the Rockets a favor. The Rockets fired him. They didn't fire him. Yes, they did. No, yeah, they, they didn't. Did. No, but he, you're getting okay. this all wrong. Don't don't spit lies. He, it's not 
lies. He it's not lies. His contract, was over. His contract was over. He didn't want to be back, but the Rockets didn't want him back. They did. They did, Mike. No, they didn't. They did. They it, were talking it, about wanting to bring him back. There's no way. They said Daryl Morey was disappointed. They wanted, They were looking to really bring back Mike D'Antoni. Jeremy, that's PR, man. The Rockets did not want him back, nor should they want him back. I didn't want him I, back, head coach. I can see why the Rockets would want him back. Why? Give me one legitimate reason why you would want Mike D'Antoni back as head because coach. Because he, he is the best small ball mind, and if they wanted to double down on it, which I think they did – then he's the guy for the job. But what they're going to have to do now is they're going to have to get a coach that is willing to play the small ball a little bit, but give it a different spin on it, uh, maybe one that allows them to play a little bit more traditionally, but give them that look, similar to what, honestly, what the Clippers do. Because the Clippers can play both small and they can play big. Well, And I think that... Let's I be the Clippers. Let's go out that round. Do both. Well, yeah, let's fine. Let's be the Clippers. Let's go out in the second round after acquiring a second superstar. Yeah, that's great. Sign me up for that. That's I'm just saying, like, like the be, way they're built. The way they're built. The way my, the Clippers are built. The Clippers are built to win a championship. The the reason why they didn't win a championship is because they didn't execute properly. The makeup of the Clippers lineup is not why they lost in 7-8, not why they blew a 3-1 lead. That team is built to win a championship, and they still are, even though they didn't. It's because they flopped. They got too comfortable. They did not execute properly. That team was capable of winning a championship, and that is why they looked like fools when they got bounced in Game 7 last week. Because they should have been in the conference finals, like we had said since they, uh, since Kawhi and PG were there, they should have won the championship. They were the favorites to win the championship this year, but they were out in the second round. That doesn't, that doesn't, that still doesn't mean that they are not built properly. They are. They will be finals favorites or right up there with the Lakers and you know the Bucks yet again next season. So let's not say that, and that, and that's why I think the Rockets need to. They just need a new vision. And what we've seen in the past couple of years, when the Warriors got rid of Mark Jackson, they brought they were a good team with Mark Jackson. When Steve Kerr got the keys, Steve Kerr oh, they didn't change that team too much, but in terms of personnel. But when Steve Kerr did he he changed the way that the pieces in the puzzle fit. And that is what allowed them to win a championship. Same with Nick Nurse. Yes, they had Kawhi. But Nick Nurse led them in a different direction that allowed them to get past Milwaukee, that allowed them to get past the Warriors in the championship. There's a whole lot of other things that were part of that championship team, but that is one of them. We, we cannot – and I think that this year we is what proved that. The Raptors were really good this year because Nick Nurse is a really good coach, and he knew that team better. And he was able to use that team and switch it around a little bit. Not too much, but to switch it around just enough to get a different outcome. And that's what the Rockets need. If you're going to do the same thing, you're going to get the same results. So they need to switch it up so that they can get, so that they can get different results. And you and I, um, before the show, we compiled a list of 12 guys that we think could logically become the next head coach of the Houston Rockets. Honestly, Mike, I'll tell you this. I think we have every name on this list that the Rockets are considering. If one person that does not become the head coach on this list, I would be very, very surprised. So let's let's jump into this list right here. So I guess we'll start out with the top, with the most likeliest candidates. With Jeff Van Gundy, obviously has been out there. What what do you think are the pros to bringing Jeff Van Gundy back aboard? professionalism, uh, familiarity with the game, uh, been there, done that. The only downside to Van Gundy is I don't see him leaving the booth with Mark Jackson. He's got a cushy job analyzing games. Why would he leave that to go back to coach? Doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, um, 
I like JVG though. JVG is on my short list of guys that if they hired XYZ coach, I would be happy with. JVG's on that list. My thing about Van Gundy is I obviously he's he's up there on this list. He was up there on the 2016 list. He should be. He's he's one of the most respected basketball minds in the game. My concern though is I feel like Jeff Van Gundy is very similar to Mike D'Antoni in the fact that he's, and yes, he went to the finals with the Knicks. I'm not saying that he didn't, but I feel like that was somewhat of a fluke. That was in a lockout year. That was the Knicks were not the best team in in the game that year. I just feel that I just feel like Van Gundy has been, you know, he he falls short a lot more than he has won. And I want a guy that is going to win. And I don't see Jeff Van Gundy as that guy yet. I think the Rockets need a champion leading this, leading this direction. Because that's where they're trying to go. They're trying to win a championship. So why not get a guy with championship pedigree? And I think most of these guys in this list do have that. JVG is is a brilliant basketball mind, but so is D'Antoni. The problem with D'Antoni that I had is that he was too stubborn to be a coach for this team. You know, he was so set in his ways that he didn't want to adapt. And the Rockets need a guy that can adapt. And he wasn't that. JVG is, he's a good name, but I think it's going to take a heck of a lot of money, which (coughs) uh, Tillman doesn't want to spend. Uh, to hire his next head coach. So I don't know if JVG is the right guy for this job. I think I'm curious to see what J, what Van Gundy would do with the team because obviously Van Gundy's more of a defensive guy and the Rockets' identity is offense. So I'm curious to see what he would do with this team. He obviously likes the Rockets. We heard him five uh, praise the job that D'Antoni had done. Um, he he likes the team, and I think that he would consider the job with the Rockets. I just think that I just think that what yes, it's going to take a lot of money to get Van Gundy out of the booth and into the Rockets head coaching chair. I just to me, what I would be concerned with. I'm excited to see what he would do defensively, but I don't know if the roster where it is right now will fit him. 100%. I'm curious to see what he would do with it if he got the opportunity. But I just don't know if it... I, I just feel like it's too... Like, I feel like the Rockets do need a very different coach from D'Antoni, but I feel like Van Gundy is almost too different. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we've said everything we need to say about Van Gundy. Mm-hmm. Um, let's put it this way. Is he my number one choice? No, he's not. No. Um, is he on my list of five that I would hire? Yeah, he is, but he's not number one. Yeah. Let's get through some of these guys that I feel like haven't been mentioned yet, but we have them on our list anyway. So just just a couple of just a couple of names to just throw out there, just for the sake of throwing out there. Um, and just saying, why not? So, I mentioned before the show that Jeff Hornacek would make uh, sense. And I know a lot of Rockets fans are, are cringing at me, are throwing tomatoes at me, are whipping up the tweets right now to at me right now and saying, what in the hell are you thinking, Jeremy? But Jeff Hornacek was on the short list in 2016. That's a part of the reason why he's here um and i think that hornacek would be just an interesting mix he'd be very similar to d'antoni i I do think but i think that his problems with his previous head coaching stints he was coaching bad teams He, he like the teams he was coaching were not talented the the early knicks team like the Porzingis Knicks teams, they just weren't that good. And the the Suns teams in the, you know, pre-Devin Booker, like, 
those teams are not good. So I want to see what he would do with a team of talent. He has experience. He's been to the finals multiple times. He is obviously very much a proponent of three-point shooting, which, he, you know, he was a career, you know, 40% three-point shooter. He's He was the main three – he was one of the big three-point guys in the 90s. So I think that would be a good fit for him. I just – I don't – look. I don't think Jeff Hornacek would be hired. I don't think that he is the right fit for this team. I just think he's a name that hasn't been mentioned yet that we should at least throw into the hat. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would hate to take Jeff Hornacek away from selling insurance in Salt Lake City uh, <laughs> to coach the Houston Rockets. Um, yeah, sign me up for I would hate that hire if they announced that they hired Jeff Hornacek. I, I mean – Interesting name, previous head coaching experience. So does J.B. Bickerstaff, but I wouldn't hire him for this job. Uh, Jeff Hornacek. Yeah, Jeff Hornacek falls in the same category as J.B. Bickerstaff for me. Yeah. And look, I mean, hey, J.B. Bickerstaff was hired by the Cavs. So J.B. Bickerstaff got two jobs after being the interim for the Rockets. So, hey, never say never. But – um, you mentioned a name before the show that I wasn't really thinking about, but this name makes sense, I guess, in terms of I think he'd be a good coach. I don't know if it's there yet, but I do want you to bring it up. So because you brought it up before the show, I'll let you bring it up now. Who's that? It, it, he, he's with the Nets. He got a, a huge payday recently. Kevin Durant? No, not Kevin Durant. Oh. The coach. Michael talking coaches. Oh, Jacques Vaughn. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. My apologies. I didn't know if you were talking about Durant or you were talking about Jacques Vaughn. No, why I mean, Kevin Durant would be a very interesting coach for this team. He knows Russ and James Harden pretty well. I just don't know if he wants to give up playing yet. So I have a list of three names of coaches that I would love to see as the next head coach of the Rockets. Um, Jacques, sorry, four, uh, yeah, four, Jacques Vaughn is number four on my list of four. Jacques Vaughn is number four. Okay. Uh, um, very interesting name to me. Look, do I think you should have gotten the job over Steve Nash? No, maybe. Uh, but I like, I like Jacques Vaughn. I mean, I, I like Jacques Vaughn as a player. I mean, he's very smart. You know, he was always a, a tough, smart player in the NBA. Was he going to be a guy that put up 35 a night? No. But he was a guy that was going to play tough defensively. He appears to have a good rapport with current players. Uh, Jacques Vaughn is a guy that, look, I mean, if you're a Rockets fan, you know, the, the drive-by Rockets fan, you probably don't know who Jacques Vaughn is. I remember watching Jacques Vaughn play, uh, not to give away my age, but, you know, I think he's a really interesting name that, you know, he's a guy that the Rockets should take a look at. But on my list of four, he is definitely number four. Mm -hmm. He's a point guard. And I think that is important when coming up with this new coach. As Look, in the past couple of years, like Steve Kerr makes a great example, point guard. Steve Nash, point guard. You're looking at guys that were point – like, I think point guards make the best kind of head coaches. But Chauncey Billups is uh, a favorite for the Pacers job. He's not someone that we have on our list, but maybe we should have had him on our list. But I think that's where the game's going in terms of, you know, those are what's going to make the best kind of head coaches are point guards because that's where the offenses are heading. They're, they're point guard driven. And, look, Rick Carlisle is a point guard. Um, like, I feel like most head coaches, if they played in the NBA, they were point guards. So that's, I think, what makes Jacques Vaughn a, a, a fun candidate, a good candidate. I just don't think that Vaughn would leave Brooklyn because he, be, he was like, we, Brooklyn was like, we want you to be the head assistant. We are going to pay you like the head assistant. So I feel like Jacques Vaughn isn't entertaining any offers. I feel like he's set with the Nets right now, and I think he feels like he can win a championship with the Nets. So I don't – I mean, look, 
obviously I feel like Jacques Vaughn would rather be a head coach someday, but I feel like now with where he's at, he got a huge payday. I don't think he's going to leave the Nets anytime soon unless the Rockets bring out the money for him. But I don't see why you'd bring out the money for a guy like Jacques Vaughn who hasn't won more than 25 games in a season before. Yeah. So, you know, it's just it's a name to, to bring up, I think. Maybe in 2024 when the Rockets are probably going to get another head coach because it's a four-year uh, cycle is what it seems like. So 2024. I think if the Rockets called him and said, hey, we want you, you know, we want to interview you. If they make him an offer to be a head coach, he would take the job. I mean, being a head coach in the NBA is a heck of a lot different than being an elite assistant. So if the Rockets wanted him to be the head coach, I think he would take the job. Uh, But to me, he's the number four on my list. Yeah, I think someone that is definitely piquing the interest of the Rockets organization and Daryl Morey right now is Jacques Vaughn's former boss, Kenny Atkinson. Kenny Atkinson was surprisingly fired um, in the middle of the season, right before the virus hit. Um, and he had done a really good job for Brooklyn. I think that's why people were so surprised. Um, you know, he brought them from a 20-win team to a 42-win team in two seasons, brought them to the playoffs when nobody thought Brooklyn was ready for the playoffs yet, and then they they signed Kyrie, they signed KD, and they're like, wow, Kenny Atkinson's going to coach a contender, but they fired him 62 games into the season. So that was a bit of a surprise, but... I think he's going – look, I think he's going to get a lot of interviews. The Bulls probably have interviewed him if they haven't already. Uh, And if they haven't already, they will. Uh, I think the Pacers are probably going to look at him, the Pelicans as well. But I think the Rockets should too. But I do have some reservations about hiring Atkinson as as the next head coach. They're not – the Rockets are not hiring Kenny Atkinson. I, I don't think they will either, but I do think it's a name we should discuss. Because, look, from the times that we played uh, the Nets during the season, we would talk about how, especially, I think, last season in 2019, we would talk about how the, the, the Nets are relying on the three ball a lot. And the Rockets have a similar, like, Atkinson's ideas of basketball are very similar to what D'Antoni was bringing. This is the same school of thought. He's also someone that has been in the Rockets organization, believe it or not. Director of player development, 2007 to 2008 with the Houston Rockets. So he has he has familiarity within the organization with Daryl Morey. So I think that's why Atkinson will at least get an interview. And honestly, I feel like when Mike D'Antoni was a candidate in 2016, a lot of people wrote him off. And I think that's kind of the role that Atkinson plays in this uh, in this coaching search. If Kenny Atkinson is hired as the Rockets head coach, I would not be surprised at all. Um, I just I think that there are better names in this list, in my opinion. Yeah, I would I would vomit in my mouth a little bit if they hired Kenny Atkinson. Uh, to be honest with you, because it, it's not it's not a good enough hire, man. Like if you're gonna hire Kenny Atkinson, you may as well have brought D'Antoni back. Well, that's the thing. I think they might have wanted to bring D'Antoni back. And because they can't, they're going to settle for someone very similar, someone a little bit younger, which I think that I kind of want the Rockets to get someone that's a little bit younger. I think that what we've seen in in the – look, if you look at the final four coaches right now, Eric Spolstra, Brad Stevens, Frank Vogel, Mike Malone. I want to say the oldest one out of those four is – um, Eric Spolstra. I think he's the oldest one. He's 49 years old. He's But, like, Eric Spolstra is a player's coach. Eric Spolstra started as the coach 12 years ago when he was 37. Brad Stevens, one of the youngest coaches in the NBA. Frank Vogel, not even 50 yet. Same with Mike Malone. Although Mike Malone looks the oldest out of the four. By, by far. It's the beard. But I think that is what prompts success a little bit. In in coaching, you, you get someone that relates to the players a little bit more. And I think that Mike D'Antoni kind of lost that with his players a little bit in in his last couple of months as oh. the Rockets coach. He, he kind of just, like, I, I think they looked up to him as more of a, like... A big brother. I, 
Yeah, but I think they need... I, no, I, like a father, almost, honestly. Like, And I think that they need someone a little more big brother that's a little more willing to kind of, like, fight with them a little bit, you know? To be fair to your list that you just mentioned, Frank Vogel's a doormat for the Lakers. He's not a coach. He's a guy that is there a you got a lot. Uh, you got a lot of hate of that. The last time you talked about Frank Vogel like that, and I, I mean, I mean, Frank it's, still the truth. I mean, you know, he, he's not as strongish as Alex Caruso is, but I mean, it's it's pretty close. Um, I mean, Frank Vogel is is a guy that stands on the side. LeBron James is the head coach of the Lakers. Like, let's be fair to this, right? Is that a lot of these guys coach their teams? That's the reason why Kenny Atkinson was booted out of the, the Nets is because Durant is going to coach that team. And that's the reason why I wouldn't want Kenny Atkinson is I feel, like, I feel like Harden and Westbrook would kind of just say, you know what, no, it's our team. Because that's the reason why Atkinson left in, in Brooklyn. Um, I think that, you know, he kind of just he, – he saw the direction of the team and he was like, this is not what I signed up for. I don't feel like I'm a head coach anymore. And he kind of just dipped. And I think that Atkinson was good for the rebuild. But the thing is, we don't know what Atkinson would be like with a contender. Because we never really got to see that. The, the Nets this year weren't a contender because they didn't have Kevin Durant. But that's the thing. I want someone that is proven with a contender, a proven winner with a contender, and I don't think Atkinson is that. I think Atkinson would make a lot of sense with the Chicago Bulls, uh, even with the Pelicans, a team that's on the rise. I think with the team like the Rockets that has a window that's shutting next season or the season after, that's, this is not the guy that I would go with for Atkinson. But sure. let's move forward here. We were, I want to go a little bit quicker. Another guy, there's two more guys, three more guys actually. Three more guys that I want to consider, but I don't think have a chance at getting the job. Nate McMillan, Mark Jackson, Billy Donovan. I think those three guys are going to be considered, going to be thrown around, are worth in the discussion, but I don't think is the right direction for the Rockets. Well, I think it'd be a bad move for the Rockets to hire the coach if they just knocked out of the first round in Billy Donovan. Exactly. Uh, so I'll move on from him. Nate McMillan is interesting. I think he's, uh, I think he's a little bit too much of a D'Antoni type. Where I mean, he's fine, he's okay. Um, you know, I could see Billy Donovan going to somewhere like Chicago. Um, and what? Who's it? Mark Jackson. Look, Mark Jackson and, and Jeff Van Gundy have a pretty sweet gig with. ABC and ESPN doing their games and doing their play-by-play. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see them leaving that. So none of those three guys really interest me if I'm a Rockets fan. I mean, uh, if Mark Jackson did want to get back into it, would you be happy with that? Would you want him? I'd give it a B plus to hire I Mark Jackson. Want, I wouldn't like I think he's out of the names that we've mentioned, he's probably higher than most. I think look, there are five names left. There are five names left that we have, um, and I would take all five of those guys ahead of him. Yeah, I have one name for you that you and I haven't mentioned yet, and he's number two on my list, so we'll reveal that in a little bit. Okay, so we have six – so we have five names, okay? Yeah. So let's just rank them right now. Okay. In, in our in our heads, um, I, I'm, while you're ranking and while I'm ranking, I'm just going to – Make sure we plug our Twitter account at DreamShakeSBN. Be sure to follow us there. Uh, and give us a like on Facebook if you haven't done so. Um, and head out to thedreamshake.com for all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. So Perfect. back from our commercial break, kind of. Um, so, Mike, we have ranked our five guys. Um, and now we're going to talk. I mean, you, I guess, have a sixth guy. So I guess I'll let you start with your number six guy. Uh, well, I mean, number six would be Mark Jackson. We just talked about him. Uh, Mark Jackson would be a really good hire to me. I mean, he's tough, man. I, look, I would hire him just for the postgame preps conferences of, 
him saying, mama, there goes that man. I would never get tired of hearing that. Um, so Jackson would be my number six. Um, I guess and- I know who's not on your list out of my five then. Because we did, we did talk about it before the show. Who's that? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it when I get there. <laughs> okay. But yeah, Mark Jackson would be on my number six. Okay. So who would your number five be then? Uh, Jeff Van Gundy. Okay. I just, to me, the Van Gundy hire, I know people have linked him to the Rockets. I just don't get it. I don't see it. I don't like it. I don't just, you know, it feels too much like a retread to me. If they hire him, I'd be okay with it. But it wouldn't make me get out of my chair, go to Academy and buy Rockets gear if they hired him. Yeah. So is there anyone in your top four that we have mentioned already? Because uh, my top five is all guys that we have yet to mention. Uh, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I guess I'll, st- I guess I'll go oh, with number five. I take that back. I take that back. Jacques Vaughn would be number four. Really? Okay. So yeah, Jacques Vaughn would be four. So, yeah, all five of the guys that I have in my top five, I have not – we have not mentioned yet. So I'll start with my number five. And right. – I'd be shocked if he didn't get a job, considering how many openings are left in the league right now. Ty Lue is number five for me. I think that with Ty Lue, he, he's a point guard. He's a player's coach. Pl- coaches, players like him. My concern with Ty Lue is just that I, I don't know if he's proven enough yet to be a head coach for a contender that does not have LeBron James on it. Like, yeah. I want to see him do – like, I want to see him bring the best out of Westbrook. I want to see him do bring the best out of Harden. I don't know if he's the right guy for that. I think he's one of the better options. I just don't know if he's the best option, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Ty Lue's my number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Vaughn's at four, Van Gundy's at five, Ty Lue at three. My only, my only reservation with Ty Lue is money because there's, there's reports yeah, out there. Ty Lue's going to get paid a lot. Yeah, and, you know, one thing that we know about the owner of the Houston Rockets is that, you know, at certain spots, he's willing to cut corners. Mm-hmm. And head coach. So where we, do you think Ty Lue is going to get hired? Uh, ultimately, I don't think it's with the Rockets. Ultimately, I could see him going to Chicago. You know, as, uh, you know, I know Billy Donovan has been linked to Chicago, as we talked about before. But I could see Ty Lue going to Chicago. Um, I could also see Ty Lue really going to New Orleans. Yeah, I, that's where I think he would go yeah, eventually. I think, I think Ty Lue, those are probably my two spots where Ty Lue would be New Orleans or Chicago. That's why he comes in at number three for me is mm-hmm. money. And ultimately, I don't think he makes a lot of sense for the Rockets. Um, but yeah, so he's at four for you. He's at three for me. He's at, he's at five for me. Five, five for you. Sorry. So he's at yeah, three for me, five number for you. Number four. My number four is a very, very, very unlikely scenario. Um, but I think we have to at least mention him as a possibility is Doc Rivers. So with Doc, you know, I think after the Clippers lost, there was a lot of talk about, oh, will Rivers be brought back? Now that it's been a few days and it's kind of simmered down a little bit, it, it looks like Doc is going to stay. Um, but I do remember, like, Right, before, right after the Clippers lost, they're like, oh, what happens to Doc Rivers now? And I tell you what, if Doc Rivers does not return to the Clippers next year, Houston should be calling him ASAP. He's a proven winner. He's a great coach. He's one of the best coaches in NBA history. The, the Rockets should, would be foolish to not at least give him a call and consider him. Now, the only thing about Doc Rivers is I think if you look at how Mike D'Antoni completely was coached poorly in the in the second round series. Doc Rivers completely dropped the ball coaching that Denver series. He did not make a single adjustment in any of the final three games. They got too comfortable, and he should have he should have done more. And he didn't he didn't do all that he could. I feel like, uh, and that's exactly what the Rockets do not need right now is a guy like that. Um, and I don't know if his energy that he'd bring would be totally fresh 
for the organization. He's very old school. He he knows what he's doing. He's very stubborn, just like D'Antoni is. And I don't know if stubborn is the right way to go in this NBA. I think what we've seen from the current coaches, you look at Frank Vogel. Vogel has adapted his coaching style. Spolstra has adapted his coaching style. Brad Stevens has done the same, and so is Mike Malone. And I think that that's what the Rockets need right now, is someone that is willing to adapt. And I don't know if Doc Rivers is willing to do that. Yeah, I think the the Rockets would be hard pressed to put a guy on their in their organization that you know whines as much as Eric Gordon does when it comes to you know game calls. But you know Doc Rivers takes that cake. Um, so to me, Doc Rivers really isn't a viable option for the Rockets because I think he's staying in L.A. Uh, yeah. But if if Doc showed interest in being the Rockets head coach, I would certainly take a look at it. I mean, I I, I would not say. I would not say no to an interview with Doc Rivers. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. His resume speaks for itself. He, his name really didn't come to mind, you know, just because I think he's going to be a Clipper. Uh, but I, I love that name by you for sure. Yeah. So who 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 do you have next for number three? Uh, my number three guy was Ty Lue. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Ty Lue is at was at number three for me. Yeah. I think it comes down to money for him. And I think, honestly, there's better spots out there for him. Most notably, I think the Pelicans make a whole lot of sense uh, for him. Uh, but he would be my number three pick for the next head coach. Mm-hmm. Now, you said number two was someone we hadn't even discussed yet. Yeah, so, Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell. Oh, well, we mentioned him before the show. I thought yeah. you meant. I thought you said that you, you didn't want him at all. No, I didn't. No, 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 no. I would love Sam Cassell. Um, look, for me, it's a one in a one A scenario for me. There are two names out there that if the Rockets hired either one of these individuals, I would give it an A plus. And Sam Cassell's one of those two guys. Okay. So who's the other guy? Kelvin Sampson. Interesting. So that's the one you didn't mention. Yeah, Kelvin Sampson is the number one hire for me. Interesting. Okay. So I want you to come up with the Kelvin Sampson argument because I know you've watched a lot of UH basketball yeah. uh, during his tenure. So I want you to pitch me why Kelvin Sampson would be the right guy for the job. Yeah, so a couple things. Number one, he's been an assistant with the Rockets before. Uh, he was an assistant with the Rockets uh, while James Harden was here. Um so his link to Harden is my number one argument. Him being a part of the organization is number two. Number three is he was a – I don't know if he was the head coach or if he was a part of the coaching staff when he was at Indiana when Eric Gordon got recruited to go to Indiana as an All-American. Um, so he was a part of the recruiting trio that got Eric Gordon as an All-American to go to Indiana. The, the f- number four part to this is that uh, Tillman Fertitta – owner of the Rockets, sits on the board of governors or, or regents, however you, whatever the name is, for the University of Houston. So he's a part of that board at U of H. So the, tr- the, the move from, for Kelvin Sampson from the University of Houston to the Rockets would be pretty seamless in that uh, phase. And also his son is an assistant coach at the University of Houston, and he's basically the coach in waiting. And his daughter, Lauren, is also a part of the athletics department at the University of Houston. So it would be a way for him to stay in Houston, stay close to his family, and have his son be the next head coach at, at U of H. Mm. The, other, the other part of this is that he's done great work at the University of Houston. You know, University yeah. of Houston has been a, a Sweet 16 team the past two years, and he's done a great job there. Mm-hmm. And, Kelvin Sampson makes a whole lot of sense for the Houston Rockets. And it's a name that nobody's talking about. Uh, do I think he leaves the University of Houston for the Rockets? I think if the Rockets showed interest, I think he would be hard-pressed to turn him down. Yeah. And yeah. he also, at the University of Houston, you know, does something that D'Antoni didn't do, which is run a rotation of guys and uses every guy on his bench, basically – you know, to, to play a game. Um, so 
he's number one. Cassell is number two. If the Rockets hired Sam Cassell or Kelvin Sampson, I'd give it an A+. Yeah. Because to me, it's one and one A with those two guys. So, for me, I have I have Sam Cassell in my top three. Um, but I do have two guys below him that I would like to at least briefly discuss. Sure. Um, number three is, for me, Chris Finch. And I know you hate that hire, but uh, Chris Finch was uh, – he was an assistant of – Kevin McHale's of um, of Rick Adelman or yeah Rick Adelman and Kevin McHale. So those two guys um, would make sense. He's been part of the organization before. He's been around the league. He's was with New Orleans most recently uh, as as uh, as Alvin Gentry's uh, assistant. So he knows Harden, and I think that is important. Harden is going to have to sign off on this guy. And I don't know the relationship between Finch and Harden. I don't. I just know that he is familiarity with him. And he's a name that hasn't – he was discussed as a potential promotion for 2016. He ended up taking the job um, to be an associate head coach for the Nuggets in 16. And I think that – so he was – he was part of the process for hire in 16. So I think that is why I throw his name in there. And I think that his familiarity with Harden benefits him and puts him higher on the list. Obviously, I don't think Chris Finch should be the hire, but it's just a name that I think we need to mention. Um, another guy that I think we should mention that has yet to be mentioned yet um, that would make a lot of sense, and I'm going to spend a little bit more time talking about him, is Steven Silas. Steven Silas has been a longtime assistant in the NBA, 20 years worth of assistant work. And he has been with the Mavericks the last two seasons. Who has been the best player for the Mavericks the last two seasons? Luka Doncic. Who is getting comparisons to Luka Doncic? James Harden. So I think that and who had the number one offense this year in terms of efficiency? The Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. Man, so I, think, I think that this makes a lot of sense. Steven Silas was also potentially uh, in the 16 process. So that's why I think that it's a quick call. It's a hey, you know. And Steven Silas is well-respected around the league. Then, uh, you know, his dad, Paul Silas, also well-respected around the league. Um former head coach uh, for years with uh, Charlotte. Uh, I think that I think that this makes a lot of sense. I think that Steven Silas has been in the league a long time. He's, he's going to get a head coaching job at some point. I think the Rockets make a lot of sense for him in terms of offense. And I think he can find a way to bring Westbrook and Harden and find a way to make it work. And that's that's why I think Steven Silas would make a lot of sense. If so let me adjust my Silas list. was the guy, I'd be a very happy Rockets fan. And I think a lot of people would be like, who? But I think he is one of the top candidates for the job, and he should definitely get an interview or two. I think this. I think Steve si- Steven Silas should be uh, one of the main finalists. But I will say this. We've talked about it for, for months now. We've been, prepped, we've been preparing for this coaching search for a while, Mike. And I think Sam Cassell is the best guy for the job for Houston for a yeah. lot of different reasons. I'll get the non-basketball ways out. Number one, it brings nostalgia back to the Rockets, which nostalgia sells. And like, and not that, that this is the main reason you should hire him, but when next season, when you're able to start filling arenas again, I think it's going to be really difficult. And I think you're going to need to find reasons. And I think that bringing Sam Cassell back will will bring a lot of uh, attention back to the team. A lot of people are going to want to start following the Rockets again because Sam Cassell's back. Sam Cassell was a loved, beloved member of Clutch City. And, And I think that that would be a selling point. And that should not be the reason you hire Sam Cassell. You should hire Sam Cassell because he's, a three-time NBA champion, point guard who is great with the players, 
longtime assistant that has paid his dues, is ready for a job, knows what it's like to contend as a coach as well, given that he's been with the Clippers. I think that Sam Cassell, he's the ultimate glue guy for a team. That is what he was known as in his career. He did that in multiple spots. He did it in Houston. He did it in Milwaukee. He did it in Minnesota. He was there for the Clippers when they made that, you know, second round run in 2006 that uh, nearly knocked off D'Antoni's sons. 2008, won a title with the, uh, with the Celtics. So he's a winner. And I think that is the main reason why you get Sam Cassell. You get a winner. And I would and look, there's already mutual interest there. That's that's already been reported. So why not bring him in? I think that he makes just he makes the most sense out of any of the guys that we've talked about as someone that should be the next head coach. I think he'd be great with Harden. I think he's coming up with ways to manipulate that backcourt to the Rockets' benefit. That is going to be the task that this coach has to come up with. How are you going to get the most out of this pairing? I so, think the, the task for Mike D'Antoni was to get the most out of James Harden. And he did that. And I think that the task for this next head coach is how are you going to get the most out of Harden and Westbrook together in the backcourt? Because, frankly... They need both of them to win a championship. They need both of them to perform at their absolute best if the Rockets want to come out and win this next championship. And having a guy like Sam Cassell helps your chances. Yeah, I want to adjust my list because Steven Silas is probably number four. Mm -hmm. So I move Jacques Vaughn to five, Steven Silas at four, Ty Lue at three, Sam Cassell at two, and then Kelvin Sampson at number one. Look, Peanut... Uh, Sam Cassell would be an awesome hire, man. Um, Mm -hmm. And look, I I don't know how you feel about this necessarily, but there's one Vernon Maxwell that went to Twitter. He's notorious on Twitter. Hey, Vernon Maxwell. Dude, we're bringing the band back together. And that's the thing, man. I mean, he (laughs) sent out a tweet that said, you know, bring Sam Cassell home and and make Houston clutch again. Um, Look, yeah. To me, that's a tweet, whether people want to acknowledge it or not, that Tad Brown, president of the Rockets, uh, Daryl Morey, uh, uh, Tillman Fertitta, they all see that, you know? And I look, you would be hard-pressed to, to find, you know, the Rockets are going to go to Harden. They're going to go to Westbrook. And one guy that we haven't talked about who should be a part of this coaching process, to me, is Akeem Olajuwon. <laughs> And, and look, you can laugh, but I'm telling you, this is a guy that was the main, you know, the main, the main focal point to winning two titles for your franchise. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, but that may be part of the problem. I, I if be, they don't do that, that emeritus <laughs> ambassador role. He'll, he'll add, like, he worked with Clint Capella. He, he will still be that. He doesn't need to be a coach for that. He doesn't need that title. And I don't think he does want that title. I'm not saying him as a coach. I'm saying that get his input on the neck. What he, oh, I see what you're saying. Have you know, him as part of the process. I'm not saying him as a coach. I'm saying, look, we're thinking about hiring this guy. What do you think? You've been around. Opinion. Okay. Yeah, you've been. Yeah, just as a, you know, as a, as an advisor. An advisor. Consulting. Yeah. A consultant, okay. if you will. I, I, can, I can see that. Yeah, they, they need to go to him. Look, Samson, to me, is it, would be the best hire. Cassell's right behind him. Mm-hmm. Make Houston clutch again and bring Sam Cassell home. That's and how I feel. A good place to park the rocket ship. Thank you so much for tuning in to our season two premiere of Harden My Take. Be sure to... Throw us a follow on Twitter at DreamShakeSBN. Give us a like on Facebook if you're over there. And be sure to not miss a single episode of Harden My Take by downloading and subscribing to wherever you listen to podcasts. We will be, hopefully, I think our plan is to have two episodes a week like we did uh, in the COVID offseason for you during this offseason and whenever the new season starts because uh, that is yet to be determined. Uh, But while... The offseason is upon us. Harden My Take does not leave your side. So be sure to subscribe, 
to wherever you listen to podcasts to not miss a single episode. And be sure to also follow my co-pilot, Mr. Michael Brown, on Twitter at UH Big Red Hat Guy. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner, J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. Thank you so much for tuning in this episode of Hard and Mind Taken. Until next time, go Rockets. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.